My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Luke Babbitt is a graduate of Top Gun and served in the U.S. Navy for 10 years as an F.A. 18 pilot. He then graduated from both Stanford Law School and the Stanford School of Engineering. After graduation, Luke worked at Goldman Sachs for five years as vice president before founding Jordan Park, where he was first chief operating officer and now partner. I hope you enjoy learning from Luke Babbitt today, because I always do. Luke, it's so great to connect again today. I had two great students in my leadership class, both named Luke, both going into the career that you're in. So it gave me an excuse to get back in touch with you again. Of course, my students love chatting with you. I love reconnecting, and I'm grateful you've come on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Nate. It's really good to see you. Well, you've had a really interesting career, and I wondered if you'd be willing to share maybe a lesson you've learned from at least three of these time periods. So one, in the military, top gun school, flying fighter jets, uh, two, attending Stanford Law School, and three, working for Goldman Sachs slash Jordan Park. And if you'd be willing to share a lesson from each of these time periods, I'd love to hear uh, something that you would most want to pass on to others. Yeah, sure. So. Um... You know, I've been fortunate in my life to have had some uh, really kind of cool, formative experiences and and certainly taken away different things uh, from each one and and grown quite a bit as a person uh, from each one. And, and you know, I would I would bucket them the same way that you did, Nate. I mean, certainly there was kind of growing up, but then, you know, as an adult, um, there was an experience in the Navy that was uh, wonderful and exciting for, for many, many reasons. Uh, and then, yeah, it was kind of a, a bridge between the Navy and, and, you know, normal adult life when we were in school at, at Stanford and then, you know, life in the professional world, um, both at Goldman and now at, at Jordan Park. Um, and each one was, was very much, uh, uh, unique and different from the other and, and sort of different lessons learned along the way, hopefully all, you know, generally positive and, and leading to kind of who I am today. Um, and so at each one, you know, there's sort of sort of different things. And so with the Navy, the whole experience for me, um, you know, came about for a variety of reasons. Both of my grandfathers had been pilots in the Second World War. And so when I was a kid, I wanted, well, I mean, like everybody, I wanted to play professional baseball, but, you know, <laughs> once, once it was clear that that was not going to happen, I, I pivoted to wanting to be a Navy pilot and the, the Navy piece of that, uh, happened because when I was eight years old, uh, a movie called Top Gun came out. And so before that, I, you've heard of it. Yeah. Some, some people have heard of it. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I knew I wanted to fly because of the experience that I'd had with uh, my dad's dad in particular and talking to him about flying during the war. And uh, and then, you know, of course, uh, Top Gun came out and it was it was all Navy all the time uh, after that. And I was fortunate to get into the Naval Academy and and then to to have a career in flying. And and all of these things kind of happened in in parallel with, you know, getting some really good advice, I think, from my dad. Uh, when I was growing up and, and um, in particular after I'd gone to the Naval Academy and, and, and you know, I, people always used to sort of 
asked me, uh, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And of course, I, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted to fly and, 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 you know, I think often people would sort of react, well, that's kind of, I mean, got it, but, you know, I want to be an astronaut or, you know, I want to be playing. And it's just kind of lumped in with those things that can be pretty hard to, hard to actually achieve. And, you know, the advice from, from both my parents and again, my dad in particular was, you know, do, do something that is, you know, if you can, when you're young and, and you have the, you know, the ability and the good fortune to do it, but do something when you're young that, that's, you know, really, you know, kind of cool and exciting. And, 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 you know, you've got lots of time to, to grow up and, and, and get a day job and, and be a real adult and all of those sorts of things. But, you know, if you have the opportunity when you're in your early twenties, you know, try to do something that's, 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 you know, kind of neat. And, and, and maybe even what's more, you know, try to do something where you're kind of in a place where no one cares who your parents were, or how much money they had or influence they had, and, and try to go to someplace where you can, you know, you can really sort of prove yourself. And, and, you know, the only thing that really matters is, is what you do and what you contribute rather than, you know, where you came from or, or where you, you know, where you didn't come from. Um, and the military was really a, a, a perfect place for that kind of thing. I think there's probably lots of other places, you know, Peace Corps and, um, you know, you could also just throw a backpack on your shoulders and start walking and, and see where the path takes you. Um, but for the, me, the military was, was that place. And, and I definitely had a, a wonderful experience in, in that regard, which was, you know, you, you sort of get there and, and they strip away all, uh, all individuality from you. You know, they, they, they kind of break that down, take that away and nothing is, is more important than, than the team and, and the mission. And that can be kind of uh, a good experience for forming really strong bonds with people. It also teaches a lot, teaches you a lot about yourself and, and what you can accomplish and to be self-reliant and all of those sorts of things. But, um, but I really think it was that initial advice of, of, of do something that's fun and exciting and, and do something where, you know, it's, it's not what your parents did or what they contributed or the check that they wrote. It's what you did. And, um, and that was, that was really formative for me. It gave, you know, a lot of confidence, not that my parents were writing big checks to anything it was more just being in that, <laughs> being in that environment to, uh, where, you know, you really get to prove yourself, uh, on your own merits and, and, and in so doing, you know, you get to just form amazing relationships with, with wonderful people that are hopefully, hopefully lifelong relationships. Um, and then within flying, I mean, there's a million things that I could say, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's just such a, a cool experience to be able to fly uh, Navy fighter aircraft. And at this point, um, I've actually been gone from it longer than I ever did it. And and so in some ways th these days, it, it almost feels like a dream at this point that I remember that 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 happened. But um, in the same way that I remember, you know, things from from dreams at this point and the way that actually it's most tangible is occasionally my kids will be digging around in the garage and they'll they'll stumble onto some you know sea bag or something like that that had uh you know has a flight suit in it or something like that and and they'll be asking me what what that is and I'll, you know there's patches and things like that on these things and, and you know describing what they were and, and what they were for and and so that's kind of the the way it's still tangible for me these days other than maybe going to an air show and seeing the blue angels and things like that 
So I'm going to try to give the same advice to my kids. Do something cool where yeah. you can forge your own path, where it's not about where you came from or where you didn't come from. And I was thinking about when I was in my mid-20s, I was still playing football. And a lot of my friends, they, they'd like moved on. It was like, yeah, football, you know, that was something you do in high school, like get over it. And here I am eight years post high school and I was still playing, but like I loved it. And 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 it was the last chance, you know, I got the rest of my life to work. And, and so I encourage people to do the same, just do something fun when you can. And then uh, it's interesting too, you, you mentioned the Navy. Uh, and it, it being like a dream. I remember years after I played football, I was down on the sideline doing reporting and I'd see these big hits on the sideline. And I would think to myself, like, I would never do that. I, I would could never, not do that. <laughs> I, I could not do that. I would never do that. I could not do that. And I was like, oh yeah, I did used to do that. Uh, yeah. In terms of being a fighter pilot though, this is like a whole other level. I mean, the yeah. G forces you're experiencing, the adrenaline you must feel. Is there any way to even begin to describe that feeling of flying these planes and, and can you remind me what planes were you flying and what G's are you experiencing? Yeah. How expensive are these? Like, what's that yeah. like? Yeah. So, so uh, I was a Navy F-18 uh, C and E pilot. And so if you watch the new version of Top Gun, which came out uh, in the last year or so, I've heard of it, seen it. Yeah. It awesome. some, yeah. So <laughs> it's, probably the greatest movie that was ever made. Um, and my kids all feel the same way, which is, which is cool for me. Um, but, um, the, 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 so the F-18E is the version of the plane that you see Tom Cruise, uh, flying around in and, uh, and which has got one seat. And then, um, there's another version, uh, that has two seats called the F-18F, but I flew the C, which was the predecessor to, to those airplanes. And then the E model, which is again, the one you see, um, in the movie and and it's kind of like a com a flying i mean flying you know so you know today i do some flying still in you know cessna type airplanes and it, it is it's definitely not the same thing it's very different flying one of those fighter jets is is kind of like being in a wrestling match while driving a sports car and playing video games wow. at the same time and uh, as I know you're someone who likes video games, maybe <laughs> you like that description, because you're, you're, you know, there's, there's a variety of things going on that are sometimes depicted in Hollywood films to some extent, and, and sometimes not where, again, you're, you're, you're wrestling. So you're, you're, you know, pulling G's as, as, as you say, and, um, and, you know, all pilots talk with their hands. So you'll see me start doing that now that I'm talking about flying, but um but you're, you know, when you're moving the aircraft uh, in that way, um, yeah, you're you're pulling, you know, six, seven Gs on a routine basis. The aircraft is limited to seven and a half Gs uh, under normal operations and nine Gs under uh, extenuating circumstances. And so um, it's quite a bit of, of force on the body. You know, if you can imagine your head weighing seven times what it weighs right now, it puts a little a little stress on the neck every once in a while. And, and I say wrestling, cause that's, I don't know if you've ever done any wrestling, but um, you know, when you first start doing it, you just have this incredible feeling of every muscle in your body is tight and, and you're just, you know, you're gassed almost immediately because you're, you're like, every muscle is, is firing in a way that, um, that you're just not used to initially. And then like everything you get conditioned to it and you actually get really good at it. And it's not that big of a deal. Like, 
so many other things. Um, but yeah, so wrestling match with a race car, because of course you're going, you know, 600 miles an hour while you're doing this. And, and all the while you're often running a radar system uh, or some other types of sensors that are giving you a picture of the battlefield in addition to a picture that you're hearing about in your ears as you as you see in the movie Top Gun when there's various people talking about what's happening in the battle space. And so I think all of those things together really just give you a, a pretty strong sense of, of self-reliance. And, and, and one thing that they don't really show that much in the second movie, there's some, some snippets of it, but in the first movie, there's the scene where at the very beginning when um, you'll remember that one of the pilots is having some trouble. And so the Tom Cruise character, uh, what we call joins up on the other aircraft. And so basically just flies right next to the other aircraft in order to, um, in order to give a little bit of coaching and guidance. And you see, you know, the airplanes kind of swirling around and doing all this stuff, but it, it is that kind of landing on the boat when you've heard we call what we in the Navy, we call it both the, a lot of people would call it aircraft carriers, uh, uh, ships, but um, the pilots tend to just call it the boat, and um, and so landing on the boat is really where uh, you you get tested quite a bit, in large part because it's really difficult to do at first. And the other thing that people don't realize is it's actually on TV. So just about every uh, what we call a space, but every room on the boat or on the aircraft carrier has a TV in it. And the camera that's filming everybody come down to land is typically always, always on. And so everybody, for the most part, on the ship is is watching you come down to land, and then you get graded on it. And the grades are all posted in it's called the ready room, uh, and uh, and it, or what we call the ready room, but it's basically just it's kind of like a big classroom, basically where you hang out with the members of your squadron. And there's usually like eight or nine of these um, of these ready rooms on the ship, and and it's not you know they don't just put like you know A plus or A minus. It's called a, a greenie board because they put colors for the grade. So a green is you did a good job, uh, and then a brown is you did a bad job so it's really easy to see from far away who's doing well and, and who's not and so um and so you really really want to do well because everybody's pretty competitive and so when you have a, a bad experience or don't or don't do very well you're you're really frustrated with yourself because not only do you feel you know stupid because you didn't do well but also because you have to face the embarrassment of of everybody on the ship basically having watched it and then for weeks for weeks on end that grade will be posted on the board and so you'll have to keep looking at it long after you long after you did it so you know the, the point being though that you're you're you know, you're you're wrestling you're driving a sports car playing video games trying to land on a very small dot in the middle of the ocean and and so i think it it definitely teaches you to be confident in your abilities. And honestly, the other thing is you will definitely fail in that scenario uh, a lot at first. And then even as you get more experienced, you'll still fail. And so it, it, you know, even when you have to still look at that, at that bad grade on the board for weeks at a time, you just have to put it out of your mind because you've got to go do the next one. And, and if you psych yourself out, that's going to be going to be much worse. So it, it teaches you to just, you know, past is past and and you got to go play the next game and and uh you got to think about the next one and focus on that because if you focus on the past you won't be 
you won't be ready for the next one. You know? To say nothing of your own life is in the balance if you can't figure this out. Totally. I mean, and... a lot of the guys who are grading you are also um, there to save your life if you do something really dumb. And, and meaning like you, you're, they're not flying the plane for you, but they are talking to you just like you see in that first movie. And mm-hmm. and they'll say, pull up or do, you know, do something to, you know, avoid making a drastic mistake that you're about to make. So there's, there's people that are trying to help you, but, but by and large, you're, you're doing it by yourself. And the cost of the aircraft. I mean, are you, oh, think, yeah. are you so, thinking about that as well? Like, or do no. you just try to forget that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even a imaginable. I think they're, you know, 60 or $70 million a copy in the new ones. And by the way, the F-18s are the old planes now. They're not even the new one. They were, they were cool in my day, but they're not cool. The F-35s, the new one, I think that one's even, even more expensive. So you're talking, you know, tens of millions of dollars for these airplanes. And, and uh, yeah, you just, you just try not, it's not even a number you can, you can comprehend when you're a young Naval officer, you know? Well, I could listen to you speak about this for hours, but I want to hear what else you have to say. Maybe we yeah. can schedule another time where, sure. and I, we're getting together out in California in a few weeks. Maybe we can yeah. talk some more about this. I would just love yeah. to hear more about flying. Uh, okay. So you graduate yeah. from school, you, you finish, you, you serve your time in the military and now you're on to the next phase. So I'd love to hear about this next phase and what you learned there. Yeah, it was good. I mean, um, you know, Stanford for me was, uh, just a, a wonderful experience in in so many ways. It was good because it was humbling and coming out of, you know, being a, a Navy single seat fighter pilot, Top Gun grad, I was, I was probably a, in a good spot to have some humbling because I, <laughs> I probably, you know, I'd been doing it for, you know, about 10 years when I got out. And so, you, you know, I was kind of at the peak of of my game, um, I'd say physically and mentally. And, and, um, and, you know, you, 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 it's good to go to a place to, to be reminded that, you know, actually there are a lot smarter people out there than Navy fighter pilots. And it's nice to be among them in a, in a school situation and, and to, to be reminded of, of what real intelligence looks like, which, uh, you know, was not me, but there was definitely some folks in our class in that, in that category. And, um, but, you know, interestingly about that, one of the things that I kind of, it really, I mean, in addition to that, which is, which is all true, but, um, you know, when you're in the military for so long and I'd gone to the Naval Academy and then I've been on active duty for 10 years. So I was 14 years in that kind of an environment. One of the things you sort of forget is that not everybody in the world thinks like you, but when you're in the military, you know, military folks do tend to be you know, they've all gone through a base, you know, there's different services with different traditions and all these things, but by and large, everyone's gone through some kind of a, a, a basic training experience, a crucible, a crucible type experience during our years, you know, almost everybody went to either Iraq or Afghanistan or both, or in maybe multiple times. And so had combat experience. And when you're in that type of an environment, you know, you're, you're, you're just so conditioned when you're presented with a problem that everyone is going to do their best to break this problem down to its constituent parts as quickly as possible, get to an answer as quickly as possible, and then execute as quickly as possible. And because everyone has been trained so similarly, you know, they tend to react and do things in the same way. And so, um, but, you know, coming to a place like Stanford, all of a sudden I was, wow, folks think very differently about everything here, whether it's, um, you know, of course, um, you know, uh, things like 
politics or what's going on in the world. Of course, I mean, law school is all about that, but also even just basic, like how someone attacks solving a problem was, was very quite different. And some people are extremely contemplative. So they'll take, they'll take time to think about, uh, you know, here's the problem. And then they'll just kind of set the problem down for, you know, a couple of days and, you know, kind of be turning it around in their head and thinking about it and, and, and the different angles and all this sort of thing. And a military person is like problem Anal analysis, decision, execution, go, you know, it's just very, very, you know, you don't wait around. And I actually learned and to really appreciate, gosh, you know, let's not, let's not rush a decision that doesn't need to be rushed. You know, let's, if, if there's, if there's some problem that we're working on and we're not under a deadline, let's just, you know, kind of let that, let's let it play out. We're going to learn more as time goes on. And, and, and you'll have people who have different perspectives that attack problems in different ways and hear what they have to say and, 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 and decide what you like and, and what you think needs work. And, and you actually make it to a much better outcome than, than you would have if you just sort of sliced it, diced it, figured out what the plan was and then went off and executed, you know? So it really was, um, you know, a, a, an experience of, of, you know, just being with incredibly brilliant people and seeing how they thought about the world and, and how they thought about problem solving that was, that was probably most formative on me. I mean, there's lots of things that I remember about being in class that, you know, I don't really use that much anymore, but that's one where, you know, I've, I've actually recently, you know, over time, condition myself to slow down decision-making when it's, when it's possible to do so in order to try to get to better decisions. You know? Interesting. Yeah. Just because we've developed a certain way of doing it in the past yeah. and it's worked for us. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way. And when it's staring yeah. you in the face every day with all yeah. these people from all over the world, yeah. way different ways. And one of my favorite memories was my con law class professor let us out like 10 minutes early, a couple days uh, in a row. And the students were pissed. <laughs> they were so upset. Like we're paying so much, you know, we want this education. And I was yeah. like, whoa, that had never, you know, the, the, the model for me, you know, is always like, you're trying to get out of class, but just even that. Same. I remember having like, that same exact feeling, you yeah, know, these, like, oh, if they're going to let us go. It means we don't have to ask any more questions. Let's exactly. But yeah, they really cared. Like they wanted to learn and they yeah. like, this was con law, like the, you know, the most at important Stanford, yeah. class at Stanford. Yeah. And yeah. how could yeah. you shortchange us? So yeah, yeah very cool. Okay. Uh, so the, the next phase of your life, so you go to law school and yeah. I don't know if you ever took the bar. I did. I, I, okay. I so I, I did, um, I got a joint degree in law and, uh, and, uh, management, a master's in management science and engineering with a concentration in finance while we were in school. Um, and then I did take the bar exam. I don't, Which you're better than I did. I, I never took the bar. I graduated and said, peace. I'm out. I, uh, I'm, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I, I have this, I, so my first three months at Goldman, I was in the Goldman Sachs training program and studying for the bar exam. And so it was, it was funny because I was in New York for about four months for that. And I might as well just been on the dark side of the moon because <laughs> it was, it was basically Goldman until, you know, from seven to five or seven to six, whatever it was. And then, you know, go back and study till, midnight or whatever and 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 in retrospect it was a total waste of time <laughs> I, mean, I, I i'm glad i did it i passed it you know i'm glad i passed and all this stuff but i i've literally never used it again since so it was one of those you know there i can't remember which movie but there was like this moment where some oh i think it was maybe like 
Pulp Fiction or something like that, where the Bruce Willis character is talking about that's that, or maybe it was one of the other characters, but that, like that's pride stinging you. You know, I I shouldn't have let pride sting me. Let <laughs> that I'm paraphrasing. I'm not getting the quote right, but you know, if you if you if you let your pride sting you like that, you get yourself into situations that maybe actually turn out to be a total waste of time. Which that one that one was for me. Well, thanks for making my day. So yeah, you yeah, you can yeah. continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So I, yeah, honestly, that's like there's very few things that I would say I wouldn't do it again. Honestly, it was a ton of work. That was, I mean. I didn't get anything out of it. So it was other than basically for the first couple of years after graduating, people would ask if I took it, I could say yes. And I passed it, but that's not yeah. a good reason to do anything. <laughs> so know. what's that like now you get to Goldman, you yeah. eventually go to Jordan park. Like what have you learned from this phase of your life that you'd most want to pass on? You know, I mean, similar to the first point in some ways, but, but a riff on the first point, which is, you know, if you're fortunate enough to, to do something that's, really fun and exciting, you know, as a, as a, you know, a 20 or 24, 25 year old person, um, you know, you, you, at some point you probably want to grow up and and learn a little bit more about how the world works and, and, um, and, you know, have, you know, quote unquote, real job. I mean, I, look, I've got lots of friends who stayed in the Navy for careers, many of whom are, you know, um, uh, going on 23, 24 years in the Navy now, and probably got another 10 to go before they get out, if not longer, if they continue to have success. And so it's not as if they, it's not as if they never grew up. Um, they, they certainly did, but, um, but it's definitely a challenging life. I, I can't believe how many deployments they've all done since, since I got out and it's really hard on families and things like that. And it's amazing that we have, we have people who are willing to do it. Um, cause honestly I was not, and, and we're fortunate as a nation that we do. Um, Can I just interrupt you real quick. I was talking yeah. to a good friend of mine yesterday and he's a recruiter and they just told him he's going six days a week now recruiting. Yeah. And you know, it's, like, it's, this, not, it's hard for people. It's hard for civilians. It's hard for people to appreciate. You can't even comprehend, you yeah. know? Yeah. Cause you don't really have choice, right? You're, you're in. So exactly. orders, as they say in, uh, in the second Top Gun, you know, orders are orders, Maverick and, uh, yeah. or they're called orders, Maverick, <laughs> whatever they say so they're not they're not asking uh and uh and so you know at at some point you may want to you know at least you know even if whatever that experience is whether you're backpacking across uh europe or asia or or in the peace corps or or whatever it is that at some point you know there's there's probably some um more stable occupation that you may seek out at least i did but one thing you want to try to do is is you know if you've had the good fortune of doing something that is truly amazing that you truly love. Hopefully whatever that next chapter is, maybe, you know, there's nothing I'm ever going to love as much as flying all those jets with all my friends in the ways that we did, but, um, and it would be disingenuous to suggest as such, but you know, there's other things out there that are super interesting. And, um, and so when I was, uh, you know, starting to get more senior in the Navy, um, folks who had gotten out of the Navy a couple of years ahead of me, had gone to work for this place called Goldman Sachs, which, you know, I grew up in a real small town and no one that I knew had ever worked there. I literally didn't even know what those words meant the first time I heard them. And they were said to me in a way that I was supposed to know what that was like, oh, you know, Johnny got out and went to work for Goldman. And I was like, ah, what is that? <laughs> yeah. And, and, but they would, they would call back to the squadron or whatever and say, Hey, this is super interesting. If you think you're, you know, considering getting out of the Navy, um, you know, you might want to, consider coming to work here. Very dynamic environment, uh, very fast paced, a lot of information, a lot of interesting information, a lot of really smart people. And, and so while we were in school, I started getting 
interested in financial services broadly and, um, and, you know, and, and just decided to go for it. So interviewed and, and, and had a great impression of the folks that I met at Goldman and, um, and ended up joining full-time was there for a number of years. And then was also fortunate to, to help start, uh, Jordan Park to, to be part of, uh, the firm where I'm a part, I'm a partner here today. And, and, you know, the thing that I am fortunate about is, is just kind of the basic job that we do is we give people investment and financial advice, which requires, you know, lots of study and understanding about how money and markets all work. And those were things that I was, you know, always somewhat tangentially interested in as, as a younger person and, um, and then found as, as sort of a, a real adult after I got out of the Navy that, I just really loved it. I mean, markets are ever-changing, dynamic, um, and and there's always a variety of opinions out there because you know we're we're making predictions about the future, which you know, as Yogi, Yogi Berra said, is is hard to do, and so um, and so the result is that you know you're just constantly being asked what your thoughts and views are on things, and and you know you're doing as much research as you possibly can in order to have cogent responses to those questions. And I, you know, I really like the subject matter. Um, and I found that I did when we were in school, which is why I, I, I also added the master's degree to the, to the law degree, because I was just enjoying the, the coursework so much. And, and so I'd say the advice is, you know, even if you've got to go get, you know, sort of a grown up adult job at some point in your life, um, try to make that something that you're really excited about. And, and there's, you know, lots of different things to to be excited about, whether it's working in financial services, um, being a teacher, any number of things. Um, but I would solve for, you know, solve for that thing that you're interested in first. And then, you know, certainly, you know, you're, you're trying to earn money, which is why you're taking the job. So there's probably aspects of wanting to do a financial analysis to understand the ramifications of, of taking that job. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't just take a job for the money because I've seen lots of folks who have done that and 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 most of them end up pretty being pretty miserable. Uh, and it's certainly trite and maybe cliche to say all those things, but for me, they wound up being true. And so you wanna you wanna enjoy what you do. You want to be challenged by it intellectually, and then you want to enjoy that challenge, you know. One of the frameworks that has always stuck with me when you we're looking for a career is to try to um, hit on three things: autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Autonomy, where you have the flexibility and freedom to use your brain and solve problems and the mastery where you can learn something constantly where there's always something new to learn yeah. and then purpose where you're um, doing something beyond just yourself. And so I could imagine uh, the multiverse version of me who, uh, you know, the current version of me went to that recruiting event with you and met some of those people that you ended up working with. And I was very excited about going into this uh, or about the potential of going into this career with you. And then um, I, I took a left turn and decided to go back to get a PhD. And my friend, Justin Hansen, who is our mutual friend still yeah. tells me how stupid I am uh, for not <laughs> having gone to work with you every time he sees me. But, you know, I, I think it, it can be easy to think like, oh, you know, financial services, um, it's this or that. But when I look at it through the lens of autonomy, mastery, purpose, it's like, wow, that's, you know, it, it kind of nails it for me. So it's cool to hear that it's done that for you as well. Yeah, and it and it feel and I like I love that framework, and I I don't think I've heard you say that before, but it it definitely captures all three for sure, and 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 just you know sometimes people might say, well, what's the purpose of it, and and, and, and you know because it it's not as if we're curing cancer by any means, we're definitely not, but you know people really do value getting 
financial and investment advice. Um, and I've had the good fortune of working with some of the smartest, most accomplished entrepreneurs of the last 20 years. And even those people who are, you know, kind of truly masters of the universe, top of their profession, some of the wealthiest people in the country. And, and they really do value having perspective from people who've got a lot of experience and knowledge about specific areas. Cause you realize, you know, as, as time goes on and you get older, that you just can't have a mastery of every single discipline that's out there. And so, yeah, I really do think it, it solves all three because people, the people that you work with really value the advice that you're giving and, and, and take it very seriously, which gives, gives you purpose and wants you, encourages you to want to develop more mastery of it. And, and by becoming a master, you develop more autonomy to, to do it more often with more people. You know? And, you know, it's like, we know that relationships is where we derive our, our most meaning and happiness. Yeah. But in order to do that, we need to have money. And so to be able to help people take care yeah. of the number one financial aspect that they care about most or, or tangible, you know, yeah. physical asset, that that's certainly provides a ton of value. Well, you've given me more of your time than I asked for. Yeah. I, I, we, I could go ask you so much more, but I, I appreciate you sharing this time with me. Uh, I just want to say one last thing. One of my favorite memories with you was and I think I've, I've probably shared this with you before, but we're taking that venture capital class. You and me were on the negotiation team together. And, you know, I've known you as this very, you know, respectful, mild mannered, buttoned up military guy, you know, very polite. And we decided to do the good cop, bad cop. Do you want to share what happened for that? Maybe I should just, I well, I'll just share. What happened was I decided to be the good cop. And when you went to the bad cop, I thought, oh my gosh. This guy is is this guy is straight from the military. <laughs> the adrenaline that this guy can run on and the things he can do. We walked out of that negotiation. We dominated that negotiation more than yeah. anybody else because of uh, your ability to flip the switch. Uh, anyway, I was just so impressed with uh, you, uh, all of your abilities, all of your interests, and, and all of these you know interesting sides to you. And just want to tell you. <laughs> Thanks again for coming on. So I'll give you the last word. Oh, thank you so much. And maybe to your last point, you know, when you're on a team, you've always got to know what your role is. So sometimes you're the kicker and and sometimes you're the water carrier and sometimes you're the bad cop. And if that's your job, you got to just go do that as best you can, you know? So everybody wants to be the good cop, but somebody has got to be the bad cop too oh, sometimes. So. You, you nailed it. Well, thanks again, <laughs> Luke. And uh, we'll be seeing you here soon. All right. Thanks, Nate. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickles and Dimes. I love the lessons Luke shared today. First, as Luke's dad taught him, do fun, exciting things early in life where you can make a name for yourself independent of your upbringing. For Luke, that meant being a Top Gun pilot, flying single-seat FA-18s, which he described as being in a wrestling match while driving a car and playing a video game, all at the same time. Flying fighter jets also meant Luke developed self-reliance and confidence as he learned to land the $70 million aircrafts on a tiny dot in the middle of the ocean while his performance was broadcast on every TV throughout the ship. Second, leaving the military at the top of his game to attend Stanford Law School was humbling and taught Luke the value of interacting with people who think differently than him. Specifically, Luke learned the value of not rushing decisions and slowing down his decision-making process when possible. Third, when making a choice about a career, solve for the thing you're interested in. When other service members started talking about Goldman Sachs, Luke had never heard of the firm before, but he soon realized Goldman was full of interesting, smart people in a dynamic field. By joining Goldman and later founding Jordan Park, Luke was able to work with some of the smartest, most accomplished entrepreneurs of the last 20 years. As Yogi Berra said, it's difficult to make predictions, especially about the future, but Luke's approach to his career was a pretty good bet. 
Take risks when young, learn from others along the way, and don't just take a job for the money, but rather prioritize interests and excitement. All simple ideas, please take them seriously. Nate Mickle here with two final things. If you're like me and want to remember all of the lessons shared in previous episodes, visit the list of lessons page on my website, natemickle.com, to see all of the lessons that each previous guest has shared. Second, if you'd give this podcast a five-star review on Apple iTunes, I would really appreciate it. Thanks for your support.